Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg as always, and uh, we have a couple little stories today. We're going to first talk about, um, we got quite the treat yesterday, as Nathan Fillion uh, released a fan film for the, uh, his version of an, a short fan film of the Uncharted movie, which I watched and was just awesome. We're going to talk a little about that and where the inspiration came from. There's an interview with the two of them talking about it. We're going to talk about Konami putting the kibosh on the PT remake on PC, and then we're going to finally, we're going to finish up with Square Enix apologizing for how well Octopath Traveler is selling. Interesting. Never apologize for being too successful. So to begin uh, with Nathan Fillion's Uncharted movie. Now, this is just fantastic. This is, uh, whoops, wrong button. So getting started, we want to talk about Nathan Fillion and Alan Unger. They decided to make an Uncharted fan film. It's about a 15-minute movie. I watched it yesterday. It just came out yesterday. What a fantastic treat. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I am a huge Uncharted fan. I've always loved all the games, especially the fourth one. I thought it was the, the strongest one they've ever done. The writing was great, and this that, that sense of adventure and excitement was all there. They had everything you could want. And this movie, <clears throat> this short fan film, it, it grabbed all of it. I, I can't say a bad thing about this, really. And, and uh, you know, in looking for things to try to critique it on, I mean, there will be a couple of things you'll see, but really you can, I, I think we can say that's more about it being a short fan film than being an actual feature-length film. Th that's where its shortcomings are coming from. So, uh, and, and <clears throat> so the story here in Entertainment Weekly is basically just talking about how Nathan Fillion and Alan Unger were just fans of Uncharted. And I guess they've been planning this and, and this is what's funny is there is an official Uncharted movie that's apparently in the works at Sony. Uh, apparently it's it's on hold, but they've had people attached to it like Tom Holland, uh, obviously who plays Spider-Man. You know, he's been on board with it. But again, it just over the years, it just seems to keep getting delayed or it's not a priority. Maybe Tom Holland's schedule is crazy with his Marvel commitments now. I mean, who knows? Um, not that Tom Holland wouldn't do a great job, but I just think he looks a little too young right now for the role. And I know a lot of people are arguing that Nathan Fillion looks is too old for the role. All I would say is, and I'm a huge Nathan Fillion fan, so it is very difficult to like move past that and not see him as the perfect role. But anytime I ever thought of an actor playing Nathan, uh, to playing Nathan Drake, it was Fillion. I mean, I never, I just, from day one, I just always had that in my head that that's who I wanted. And uh, so again, I could be hitting some, uh, some, you know bias there but he looks good in this fan film it he doesn't look too old to me i, I he really doesn't you know and and fillion's kind of like paul rudd where they just don't seem to age <laughs> so it's pretty wild but uh anyway so uh entertainment weekly interviewed these guys we're gonna go over some of the questions here and just kind of some of the answers and talk a little about it this again this is kind of that pulling back the curtain thing not necessarily about video games that i always like to talk about but talking about movies specifically which obviously i'm also a big fan of and, and so entertainment e uh, weekly asked how long have you guys been sitting on the project to which they replied january apparently since the end of january they had decided for 100 percent it was going to come out and they shot it in may so the, after being shot in may and editing they've been sitting on this for the proper release for uh for a few weeks and they asked whose idea it was to make the short film so this is what alan unger had to say 
Quote, the idea had come to me a couple of years ago. It was shortly after the Power Rangers short had come out, and there was a period of time when we were seeing an influx of these fan trailers and fan films that had filmmakers and actors coming together to give back to the fans. It had taken a long time for both of our schedules to work out, and our mutual friend Alex Libovici put us in touch in January. I was in Los Angeles for some meetings, and Nate and I sat down for dinner to really pitch him this idea that I'd had for several years, and we just took it from there. I did say to Nathan... Listen, I'm not proceeding with this if you are not interested whatsoever. Obviously, it's not to pressure you. I just want you to know the reason I'm doing this is because I believe in what it represents and what it could be. And I don't think there's a point in trying to go outside the system and make a fan film if it's not going to be with you in that role. And then Nathan Filling, of course, was gushing over that. Um, so uh, and then they talk about because uh, Stephen Lang, uh, who was like the big baddie in um, like the general guy in... Um, avatar he is actually who they got to play sully and, and i will admit if there was the one thing that i didn't feel fit it was sully not that that actor is not incredible but i just I, he didn't capture the role of sully for me as much as you know other people would have liked now a lot of people were saying because of his time on burn notice that bruce campbell would have been a really good sully and in fact they talk about that a little bit here um so alan unger uh, replies, it was funny, Bruce Campbell emailed me today to say he thought it was great, and it's funny because everyone's saying, hey, what about Bruce Campbell to play Sully? So he was really happy that it was Stephen Lang, and then they go on about how they have to call him Slang, because that's what Stephen Lang wants to be called now that he's old or something. Um, and uh, so they talk about how uh, Alan Unger actually messaged Stephen Lang's kids who were fans of Uncharted and said, hey, like, should I try to get your dad to do this? And of course they were on board and it just like, it was just smart, you know, it all kind of worked. And uh, so even Bruce Campbell was like, Hey, Stephen Lang's great. Like, good job. Uh, and then they go on to talk a bit more about the Power Rangers short because there was a little bit of a hiccup with that. In fact, the Power Rangers short, like Sabin, who was the rights holders, uh, they basically pulled it because it was in violation of their, you know, property. Um, and then reissued it, though. That was, 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 was kind of weird. So Unger uh, replied by saying this. We weren't worried because given the material and us being very clear and straight up what we were trying to do, there was, wasn't much of a concern. And actually, Naughty Dog Vice President Neil Druckmann, the director of the last couple of games, had tweeted about it today, and he loved it. And then they have a little picture here of Druckmann. You know, it's just a heart emoji. But I can't imagine someone who's made games and who's wanted Uncharted to be a movie for so long. I mean, they've talked about making an Uncharted movie since probably the second one. And to him actually to see it like that, like, I mean, those things all coming together, like you have to, you can't tell me that he's not on the phone being like, Hey, stop everything. Can we just, can we wrap our heads around this for a minute and trying to, you know, spread the word. Um, this I thought was really interesting too. So the next entertainment weekly started asking about, um, since they shot it outdoors in Los Angeles, was it difficult to keep the shoot a secret because it had not leaked what it was? Um, <clears throat> Nathan Fillion had, uh, he, he had, uh, teased an uncharted related announcement coming out yesterday and that was like late last week but he didn't, uh, he didn't say what it was and no one knew what it was ahead of time. You know, there was no leaks whatsoever, which is just in this day and age is very difficult. And so it was very cool to see. And, uh, so here's what Fillion kind of says about how they kept it secret. We gave it a different name so the crew didn't know what they were working on when they signed on. And then as soon as you arrive in costume and they see what's happening, everybody got very excited. Everybody felt like they were on the inside of something super cool and no one wanted to blow it. So everyone thought it was really neat. You know, no one wanted to ruin the surprise. It was going to be this really cool thing. 
Um, and, uh, so then let's see, there was one other thing I want to talk about that, um, where they talk about, there was a nurse or a, 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 a like a, a person on the scene who is like a, a medical professional. And they said that the medical professional showed up. Yeah, let's see here. Um, so it says, I'll never forget the set medic we had on the day for Nathan's big fight scene in the house. Like Nathan said, nobody knew what we were working on. The movie's code name was Breaking and Entering. It was a short film. Nobody thought anything of it. And the set medic showed up and asked somebody, I got to clarify this. Fillion's here and he's dressed like Nathan Drake. Is this what I think it is? And just went on from there and people were geeking out. I think that's so hilarious that, you know, how you sometimes don't realize how many people were into that series and how many people love the game and how many people know him as a character and can like grab it. And, and they did great. I mean, when you look at some of these pictures of him in his outfit from the short, or if you just watch the short, like they didn't, they didn't try to mess around. They didn't change the things he didn't need to change. They made him look like Nathan Drake. They gave him the shirt, they gave him the pants, they gave him the harness, the, the gun harness and uh, the holsters. And it just, Oh, it just, it just fits, you know? Um, and so they, they talk a little bit about, you know, what were their favorite games and Philly and says that the fourth one was the best, but I wanted to talk, <clears throat> then I wanted to move on a little bit and talk about what I thought about the actual short film itself. Again, I thought it was fantastic. My only real issue is I thought Stephen Lang didn't really sell it for me as Sully. He had the big stogie and he was sitting there with his binoculars helping Drake, you know, from a distance, like all that stuff was there, but it just didn't feel right. And I, I certainly wouldn't have a problem with him playing that role, but <clears throat> I don't know. It just, it, it felt off to me. Nathan Fillion felt perfect. Sully felt off, um, I would say. But other than that, it was excellent. And the fight scenes, you know, and they actually talk about this with their fight coordinator, but the fight scenes were purposely made to look like Drake's fighting style. They, they strung together like a clip of, of a fighting montage from Nathan Drake in the games to show to the fight coordinators because it wasn't that he's some trained martial artist. He's a brawler. He's, you know, he's, he's a dirty fighter. He'll do whatever he has to do to win. Like, he's a survivor, and that's Nathan Drake's fighting style. And uh, so it was, it was excellent, and, and they did that in the movie. And there was this really great scene, which, again, in a Hollywood movie probably wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't work, but in this movie it worked great because they had this scene where they were doing all the cinematic stuff, and then when it got to the, the shooting scene, like the fight sequence the camera moved to almost a third person perspective right behind Nathan Fillion. So it gave you that look of every time you've ever played Uncharted and it went from a cinematic cutscene right into gameplay. And it had like that feeling. It was super cool. Again, for a short film, that's okay. For a full Hollywood film, that's a little hokey, a little cheesy, but it, 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 like they've said, it scratched that itch that we've been wanting for so long. And, uh, and it was great. And, and everything about it was excellent. And probably my favorite thing about it, was they they captured the magic of the games in the movie as far as the the mystery and the the mystique around whatever treasure they were hunting and i think that's what what made me so happy about it was they came up with a story about you know this hidden treasure that's been sunk forever and they they came up with their own lore as to explain why no one's found it and then it had this magic and mysticism around um, Magellan and how he was the one who rescued from this one boat that sank and that's where the treasure everyone thought it was that's why no one's found it because it wasn't on there and it was just man it was great you know um, he, I'll kind of break down the story a little bit here for you so um, uh, quote there have always there was always a really great list of real life mystical cities and hidden treasures that hadn't been explored the Flor de la Mar 
I found was a very fascinating story, and it wasn't until I came back to this idea in January that I settled on that. Jesse Wheeler, who co-wrote with this, this with me, we did a lot of extensive research. We were pretty fascinated with regards to the historical figures that were crossing paths at this time in history when the Florida Lamar sank, and I just thought it would make a killer conspiracy in the vein of Indiana Jones and National Treasure, taking it, uh, taking something that's real and adding some mystery and fiction around it. So they said exactly what I think makes these movies great. It's the same thing with like national treasure and um, you know, like part of what makes those so believable is because you take a bunch of these realistic things that happened and then you build a mythology around them. And, and, and so you can have, you know, almost like uh, like the Da Vinci code is the same kind of thing, not necessarily in more in, as a fantastical of way, you know, but it was the same sort of thing. Like take these real events that occurred and then build a fantasy within them. And it captured that perfectly. And, in it, you know, they had Fillion and Sully talking, and it was like they were discovering everything. And then there was an actress who showed up at the end. They didn't technically say it was Elena, but I think we'll just go ahead and assume it was her. And uh, that actress also didn't, like, it didn't catch me as a perfect fit for her. Um, but, again, just seeing this thing all work out was excellent. And loved it. Uh, loved every second of it. And I, please go watch it, even if you're only a mediocre fan of the games, but you really like Nathan Fillion, or if you like just that National Treasure Indiana Jones type movie, go watch it as a fan film, enjoy it, and spread the word about it. Because, as we know from history, things like this don't always just mean it's a fan project forever. In fact, um, a lot of people might remember that, you know, not too many years ago, um, there was a, a, a leaked, which I still don't think was on accident, a leaked Deadpool reel, which was that little scene when he's in the car and he's, you know, being funny and he's uh, shooting them up and, uh, and, and killing dudes and, and doing his thing. And they, re they released that as it was like, oh, this is leaked Deadpool footage. And it just tore through the internet. I mean, it just, everybody was talking about it. It was, and it was, it was awesome. It was, you know, that led to people making decisions about, you know, will this movie do well? Oh, it will because look at how 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 much fire <laughs> this 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 leaked footage just brought up, right? And so it was it was really neat, and it was really cool to see, um, you know, this sort of thing happen because if if this is the sort of thing that Sony needs as a final push to maybe greenlight it, maybe they say, you know what, we just weren't happy with anything that was coming out with the Tom Holland version. We really want you guys to do this. Um, or, and this is actually kind of funny, uh, they, he, Unger mentions this at, near the end here. He says that he can't talk much about it, um, but that they have been contacted by streaming services and other like entertainment venues. So that tells me that maybe Amazon or Netflix contacted them and said, hey, we'd like to do a, an, an Uncharted series. Now, that could be cool. I, I still think the games are almost play out like a movie, so individual movies might be better. But man, a 10-episode season of an uncharted television show, it makes more sense, and it's less risk, less money a lot of times involved than huge Hollywood blockbusters. And on Netflix to support it or Amazon to compete with them, I mean, this would be fantastic. So let's hope that this little fan film uh, ends up pushing the movie and blossoming it out. I mean, there's a reason why they spend money on things like this. And yes, it's a passion project, but you know the ultimate endgame is to get this made into a, a feature film or into a series. And so it's awesome that, that they were able to, and, and I think Fillion's great. So I'd love to see him do it. And, uh, Alan Unger seems to have passion for this series. So I'd love to see him do it as well. So an uncharted fan film came out, watch it. It was excellent. Oh, it was, it was great. I was, I couldn't be more happy as an, as a uncharted fanboy. It was, um, I was, I was giddy with glee.
Uh, so after that, then moving on, we want to talk a little bit about Konami shutting down the PC remake of PT. So if you don't know, PT was this incredible, and I'm I will not shy away from this. It was an incredible playtest demo, hence the name PT, where Konami was essentially testing the waters for a new Silent Hill game. This Silent Hill game, however, was going to be directed by Hideo Kojima and was going to be worked on <clears throat> monster designs along with Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro and Hideo Kojima together making a horror game, Silent Hill game, it was going to be unbelievable. Uh, I, I have always wanted to see what Kojima could do with horror. Um, he's always teased it a little bit in his Metal Gear games through different um, through different parts of the game, like walking through the river uh, when you're Snake in Metal Gear Solid Three. Um, you know, there there were he's always had like these kind of haunted elements. Um, he helped out with Castlevania Lords of Shadow a little bit, you know, so he had a little bit of that experience. But he always said he wanted to do horror. The, the master of horror design is Guillermo del Toro. So these two working together would have been just absolutely incredible in my mind. So they came up with this demo and it's, it was like a stealth release. It came out, uh, you know, and it was just on the PlayStation store as PT. Nobody knew what it was. Nobody knew it was Hideo Kojima either. It was just called PT and you load it up and it's this interesting, you start off in a room and there's story, there's backstory about a guy who maybe murdered his wife and all and kid and there's all this weird kind of stuff going on in this radio broadcast and you, you start off in a room and you walk out and then there's a hallway and you walk down this hallway which is essentially a square hallway. Like you go and you turn right, you go to the end, you turn right, you go to the end and you go through a little door down some stairs and you open back up to where you started. And so it's almost like a maze where you get to the end of the maze and then you go through that door and you go right back to the beginning. Very creepy, very mysterious, very cool. However, many times as you go through the door, little things are changing as you go through. So it's a story's unwinding, and this this web is kind of un, un, untangling, and it's so cool. And uh, and it was just mysterious. And I remember it was my brother's birthday, and this was a few months after the demo had come out. It was my brother's birthday. He'd gotten a PS4 for his birthday, and. We didn't really have any games or anything. We played a little bit of stuff here and there. And then at the end of the night, it was getting kind of late. And I thought, you know, let's let's pop in this PT. I've heard cool things about it. It's like a like a horror mystery game. And uh, I went to check it out. And I had not read anything about it at this point. I only just knew that it was like this free demo. Was it a couple months? Maybe it was a month after. It was, it, maybe it was a couple weeks after it came out. I don't I don't I remember like no, nothing had been figured out yet. Like it, it, it by that point, the ending had been revealed, which I'll talk about in a minute. Spoiler alert. Um but it wasn't like it was all over the place. So it was still kind of fresh. And so we played it at like two or three in the morning and it was terrifying. And we, we were like handing the controller back and forth to like, you want to play now? And I'm like, no, I really don't. I really, I really just, man, this game was creepy and it was, it was Japanese horror, you know? So it wasn't just stuff jumping out at you. It wasn't boo haunted house scary. It was like this, a lot of Japanese horror makes you feel off you know it's unsettling and so you see imagery that makes your head kind of go like i don't want to look at that not necessarily because it's scary it's just giving you this off feeling and, and i just i think that's more terrifying than the shock jump scares of oh jason popped out of a wall not that i don't love my friday the 13th movies and so you play through this and you know it's this mystery unraveling there's some just creepy creepy stuff there's at one point there's like you go through and um you get to the main hall and there's just like 
a refrigerator dangling like it's hanging from a rope and there's just blood dripping out of it and you have to walk directly underneath it to get through and you're just like what's gonna happen um great stuff tons of hidden secrets and things too like there were there are hidden appearances of the you kind of see here on the screen this ghost lady here um there's hidden appearances of here in a bunch of different places she's like the main um you know antagonist i would say she's kind of running around and then like i said so there's a slow little mystery that's slowly building up and slowly being discovered as you play through it well anyway long story short through a very weird Koji very kojima-esque ending to the demo you get through it and it reveals itself to be a new silent hill game called silent hills and that's all we know starring norman reedus and and you're just like, wait, wait, what? Like, it's a new Silent Hill game starring Norman Reedus done by Hideo Kojima and Guillermo del Toro. Like, your mind is just blown, like, how amazing this is going to be. And, you know, fast forward, uh, like, you know, six months or so after that, it gets canceled. And Kojima is on the outs with Konami. Metal Gear Solid 5 launches. I think actually, gosh, I want to say it was a year after PT came out that, that Metal Gear Solid 5 launched. It might be two years, but I'm thinking it's a year. And... After that launch, we already knew that Kojima was a contracted employee up to the launch of Final Fan of a uh, Final Fantasy of Metal Gear Solid Five, and then he's just off the project and he's gone and he's gone from Konami and that's it. And, and his tenure there is his twenty plus years at Konami is over as one of the best game designers uh, on the planet, one of my favorite, my my probably my favorite game designer, and just he's gone, just like that. And there's a lot of rumors around that maybe you know they Konami fired him. Uh, because he threw a fit because of PT getting canceled, because of Silent Hills being canceled. It was kind of his new project. He really wanted to work on his baby. And at that time, Konami was shifting focus. They were like, you know, these big budget AAA games are draining our bank account, and we're, we can't guarantee they're going to be huge successes. So we're going to go back to mobile and pachinko machines and just try to, you know, like they were refocusing on smaller stuff, um, which was a mistake, as we all know. And now they're putting more effort back into their properties. But, um, you know, back then that was... That was uh, kind of their reason for wanting to get out of big box, big cost AAA development. And so that was kind of the story of Silent Hills. It was gone shortly after Kojima. All the drama happened with him and he's gone. And it just it's a crazy time. So getting to the main story here now, getting with the backstory. So a lot of modders and people have been trying to recreate it. It's been going on for a while. There was a, um, a student, a 17 year old student has been working on a 100% playable and 100% game-accurate remake of PT. And he was almost finished just before an update that would have implemented the last animations, Konami's called him to cease and desist the project. So I don't know if that means it was actually a phone call or if they sent him a cease and desist letter. Usually it's a letter. Um, so it's weird that it went on so long, but like many times with things like this, it got killed. And, and it really sucks because this... this student probably worked really hard on it and spent a lot of time on it and it was his baby but that's what happens with fan projects you know they get shut down um you know there was like that chrono trigger sequel got shut down and there's a whole bunch of stuff like that because it's quite frankly it's not our properties to do with what we want um i still feel like it should be in part of like the nathan drake fan film we just talked about how can you not make a pt fan game you know i don't know now as long as now maybe it was using assets ripped from the other game and maybe there was other things involved we don't know however as annoying as this is, and it does really suck, because I would have loved to play this again on PC. Uh, I still have mine downloaded on my PS4, and it's funny because you can't download it anymore. They've actually taken it off the store. So if you have it on your PlayStation, you still have access to it. You can still play it. If you don't, 
you can't. And so that this will be one of those really neat things that I hope my PlayStation lasts forever um, because I don't ever want to lose that demo. And it might make my system worth a whole bunch of money someday in the future having this exclusive, you know, never released demo game sort of thing. Um, even though you can copy it, I can copy my account to any number of PlayStations I want. So if my PlayStation is about to die, all I have to do is like copy everything over to um, copy everything over to you know, my other PlayStation. So, but even though all that stuff happened, uh, there were some really interesting things that Konami did here. I have to really say this is interesting because I did not think they would do this. And it might be because they're trying to avoid negative backlash. However, Konami didn't just send him a cease and desist letter and say goodbye. Like so many companies have done to so many fan projects over the years. Um, the representative, he, here's what uh, Kim Sar says. This was the, the 17 year old who was working on it. He says this is what the call was like from Konami. He got a phone call. He says that the Konami representative was very apologetic, but that this PT remake had to be pulled for legal reasons. The Konami rep also said that the project had been very popular around the office. At least this seems less cold-hearted than the usual cease and desist message. So, so the Konami rep actually said that he, he was sorry, but they had to pull it for legal reasons, and that that everyone around the Konami office loved it. I mean, how cool is that? You know, um, now my understanding is this was like the Konami U S office. So that's more of a marketing division. That's not like they're really like pumping out games and stuff, but you know, that's really cool, uh, for them to reach out like that. They didn't just, they weren't jerks about it. You know, in fact, they tried to save face and, and make it not a negative experience for a seemingly a fan of their company. So very smart move, but they went further um, he said that in the short term, Konami's sending over some merchandise in games, so they're giving him some free stuff. But bigger picture, it looks as if Konami's going to offer him an internship. Quote, it hasn't been made super official or anything, but a freaking internship for me with Konami in which I would do stuff with Konami US, EU, and Japan. Internships tend to turn into jobs fairly often, and for a 17-year-old who isn't even a senior in high school yet to get this for the very first game project he's ever worked on, that's pretty good, end quote. So that is very cool. So Konami offered him essentially an internship and some free stuff because he was such a fan of the company. Now, I'm the first one who will bash Konami for their garbage everything. This is so cool, though. This this is exactly what you'd want out of a company. This is good PR on their part. It's taking care of their fans. So it's good customer service. It's good PR. It's just the right thing to do. And I love it. And now the only downside to some of this is typically this won't discourage more fan projects from being made. It will uh, from being made. Excuse me. It will only encourage more. But if you find talented people out there who are seniors in high school who are not in college if you find them out here because of them making fan-made projects and you can reach out to them i mean that seems like the best recruiting tool in the world to me i think that's super smart so that i mean that's pretty much it you know just this this great story konami has been made some garbage decisions lately they they ruined my love for metal gear uh they have destroyed many things Castlevania Metal Gear they have such a great library and they can't seem to do anything with it but in this instance the PR people anyway of of Konami US seem to be doing a pretty good job and this was a really neat story um this is this is my feel-good story of the week you know this is that like so many negativity uh, negative things and so much negativity out there it was nice to see a great positive story about something uh that normally you would not have expected I would have expected a cease and desist letter and that was the end of the story nope here we are and, and who knows, maybe 
maybe one day it'll accidentally leak and we can all play it or he'll finish it and slowly leak it out there somewhere and say that he never did. That'd be cool too. And then lastly, and this shouldn't take too long, but uh, on Friday, a new Switch game came out came uh, called Octopath Traveler. So this is a game I've been eyeballing for a long time. It's a Square Enix RPG. Uh, it's this incredible art, art style. Uh, I have not played it yet. Unfortunately, we had a very busy weekend, and I wasn't able to play it yet. I'm going to start playing it today, actually. And it looks awesome. Very excited to try it out. Exclusive for the Switch. Very good game. Uh, it's, I should say it's getting very good reviews right now, so I should say I have not played it. However, it has uh, Square Enix had recently apologized because the game has been selling better than they ever expected. So it launched, like I said, it launched last week. It's been flying off Japanese store shelves, leaving latecomers out of luck when they picked up when they arrived to try to pick up a physical copy. Square Enix has said that they are working on fulfilling the huge demand for more stocks, suggesting in the meantime that shoppers purchase a digital download of the acclaimed adventure title. Now, this is Japan, and then here. Uh, we had, uh, it, it was another article basically talking about, oh, I'm going to get whitelisted on this site. That always happens after a few minutes. Um, this is going to start talking about, um, how it sold out everywhere. So, uh, Amazon says right here, it will ship within one to two months. So they terribly underestimated the physical demand for this game, which is kind of silly. Um, now part of the reason it takes longer, uh, the uh, as apparently the switch and their um, solid state storage, like their cartridges, uh, take longer to manufacture and there's more bottlenecks. So that's why we often talk about the Nintendo tax. That's an extra ten dollars you often pay for the physical switch version as opposed to a physical PS4 version or Xbox one version is because the disc to make is cheaper than making the cartridge. So it wouldn't surprise me if they made less physical because they didn't want them sitting on a shelf. It was a midsummer release and it is an RPG and you never know how those are going to land. Now this game had a lot of hype though and I'm really disappointed that Nintendo hasn't figured out their customers even still to this point. Um, However, it also could be Nintendo's ploy to try to get everyone back to uh, get more copies of it digitally. They might have known it was going to be a really popular game, had a bunch of physical ones out there, let those sell out, let the collection sell out, and then say, well, we're, we're sold out of it. If you don't want to wait a month or two, you can buy digital right now and have it today. And I really hope not. And that's kind of a large gamble to take. Like you're willing to lose thousands to tens of thousands of sales on a physical copy of a game just to hope that you make those all back up digitally, uh, it's kind of a stretch. Um, but the Switch is also doing well in the digital market. You know, oftentimes when people sell us Nintendo Switches at the store, they'll have one or two physical games like Zelda and Mario Kart usually. And then everything else after that is typically downloaded to the system, which makes sense for a system that's going to be a portable because you don't want to carry around 30 cartridges with you, you know, and when you can get the, the cost of an SD card has just been plummeting lately, micro SD card. And so it wasn't just in Japan. It was also all over the U.S. Amazon backlogged for one to two months. That is ridiculous. Um, I'm not sure about GameStop and Best Buy's quantities. I'm pretty sure they're sold out, and who knows when they're going to get their next shipments. But this is, uh, um, yeah, this is an interesting story. So, again, not a lot there to it. I just want to say congratulations to Nintendo with Octopath Traveler because it's clearly a very good game. They've done a very good job with it, and you know, it's selling out. Congratulations. I, I'm very excited to play it. I'll be playing it later today. Um, I, I don't know if I'll do a video on it. I don't think so. Um, I'm not sure. I, I don't think Jordan did one. 
I might, I might, you know, it all depends. It's a lot harder to capture my uh, switch cause I don't have it hooked up with my computer and everything. But, um, but if nothing else, I'll be giving like a full review breakdown of it, uh, coming up here in the future. So, uh, that is it everybody. That is the podcast for today. And guess what? I did in fact remember ahead of time to pick out my game of the week. <laughs> so, uh, and this actually, I caught an article for it, and it reminded me of how awesome this game was, and so I really wanted to uh, to talk about it. One of my favorite PlayStation 1 games of all time, it is Front Mission 3. Front Mission 3 is a tactical turn-based RPG by Squaresoft, obviously now known as Square Enix, or Squeenix, if you're into the whole brevity thing. And it is a turn-based uh, tactical mech RPG. So it was just really, really well done. Story was really good. It almost has like, you know, that when you get into the battles, it almost has, let me see if I can get this up here without the glare. It almost has like these, um, these, uh, what do I want? Advance Wars style fights. And, uh, you know, you customize the, the, the units you fight with, you pick what's out there, all this really great stuff. So you, you still have a party and then you also get to like customize, uh, their out, you know, like their, their, what do they call, what do they call them in this game? They don't call them mechs. I don't, do they call them mechs? Your giant battle machines. And it was just really, really good. And I haven't played this for quite a, quite a few years. And I don't even know if I ever finished it, but I want to. Um, th this is just one of those excellent, excellent RPGs. Um, the Front Mission 4 came out on PS2 and it was okay. And then later, uh, Front Mission games, um, the, the last Front Mission game, Front Mission Evolved, was trying to be more like Armored Core and less like an RPG. And it's like, no, man, Front Mission, like, this is your mech RPG, man. Like, don't don't snooze on this. It's really good. So if you're into PS1, you're into RPGs, you're into tactical RPGs, this is like a staple of the PS1 library. So I highly recommend you go check it out. It is an awesome game, and um, you'll have fun playing it. And I'll take my own advice, and I'll finish up and play it soon, too. Um, thank you, as always, everybody, for listening and, and sticking around. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you want to follow us as a uh, listen to us in podcast only form, you can listen to us on iTunes. Just search for Game Talk Radio uh, or on SoundCloud. You can find me on there as Game Talk Radio. Uh, if you're listening to this on iTunes or on SoundCloud and you want to get uh, more of our content on YouTube that we do not in podcast form, uh, you can find us uh, on YouTube as The Drop Rate. You can either go to droprate.life. That's a web address, dro uh, droprate.life. Or you can um, go to YouTube and search for the drop right. Look for the little DR logo in the corner. Um, so again, thank you everybody for listening and watching. We're getting very close to that that hundredth episode, which is it's like hard to fathom for me that we've been doing this this long. Um, but thank you again everybody for listening. Thank you if you've been watching. Appreciate everything uh, everybody's been doing. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again soon. We'll talk to you later. Bye bye.